Hello everyone and welcome back to the Hastings Harvest where it is my job to interview some of the most inspiring young minds, creators, and educators within their area of expertise and try to harvest how they go about their craft. Today I am joined by Sammy Frith of Jacked on Plants. If you want to find him on Instagram, it is at jacked.com on.plants and then his wife also has an Instagram specifically for vegan woman trying to gain muscle and that is mrs.jackedonplants all one word and Sammy Frith is such an interesting dude he's been an entrepreneur well still is he's a graphic designer and now he is an online coach and that's where the majority of his business is coming from he has gained probably about 20 pounds at least from the vegan diet and most of that being muscle once he saw the results of the vegan diet and how good it was making him feel he decided he wanted to start a business through all of this so obviously i have a lot to learn from this guy and i really wanted to interview him and it's really nice to just talk to him online and uh, talk about his journey his entrepreneurial journey through everything. We talk a lot about his move from England to Thailand with his wife and then just his vegan business online, how it actually started and how he had a lot of troubles at the start in Thailand and just uh, building a big enough vegan business to where you can actually make enough profit off of it. And we also go over how he makes his IG infographics. Like I said, he is a graphic designer. He has some of the best IG infographics I have seen on Instagram. Highly suggest you guys check his Instagram out. Also, right before we get into it right now, my mic is a little messed up in this one. I think it's just because we live so far away from each other and the connection was too bad. So, Mike is not amazing, but it's definitely listenable. Um, if it's if it's too bad for you, I'm really sorry. I will get that fixed for the next podcast episode. So that is it. I hope you enjoy the talk I had with Sammy Frith. All right, Sammy, thanks a lot for coming on the Hastings Harvest today. This has been a very long time coming. I've been looking forward to this talk for a really long time now just to get your thoughts on running an online vegan business and veganism and how uh, you moved from England to now Thailand, which is such an awesome story uh, with your wife and you have your kids there. Uh, living that, that life that really uh, allows you to define what you do on your own terms. So it's really great to sit down and have you here today. Cole, absolute pleasure, brother. Um, really honored to be invited on your podcast. Um, and just, just great to hook up with, uh, with like-minded individuals and, and have a chat really and share ideas. So I'm, I'm uh, pumped, pumped to talk to you today, brother. Definitely, man. And let's, why don't we start off with talking about your move from England to Thailand? So what, what created that move? Why did you choose to do something that like a lot of people definitely wouldn't consider, especially at your age? And how has your life changed since moving there? Red flag. What do you mean my age? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, especially your age because you're young is what I was saying. Okay, I'm not young, man. I'm, I'm approaching forty. I'm definitely not young. Um, hey, man, that's pretty. That's like, 
you're less than halfway. So yeah, especially for vegans. Thanks, mate. I'm, I'm nowhere near halfway. <laughs> exactly. No, well, um, a long story, I guess, mate. But I'll try and I'll try and keep it concise. But we moved here seven years ago. So I actually met my my wife's Australian, and uh, we met in Thailand fifteen years ago. Um. That's a long old love story. I'll save that for another time. But um, we basically ended up living back in Sydney. Um, and we'd been there five years in Australia. And I just, I just felt, I felt a bit homesick. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Australia, but it's kind of really southern hemisphere and quite disconnected from the rest of the globe in terms of um, distances. It's like a long way from anywhere. Uh, I just found it quite. I found it quite isolating, um, and the culture as well. I didn't kind of. Uh, I didn't vibe with it too much. Like it's. It's a very new country, so the architecture and the history and the culture and uh, it's quite sort of paper thin. Coming from a place like Europe, which is obviously like just rich in that sort of history and culture, and um, so I was just sort of pining to get back to England and Europe, and uh, so I managed to twist Beck's arm to do that, um, but I made the fatal mistake of taking back Beck to live uh, in a place called Sheffield, which is where I was born. Um, and if anyone's listening who knows England, Sheffield's kind of a, a steelwork, industrial, dirty town. Um, I mean, it's got some beautiful uh, beautiful countryside, uh, Peak District right there and everything, but it's, quite, it's kind of grungy um, and a bit grim, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Uh, the weather's not great, and yeah, she lasted like ten months. <laughs> She's like, "There's no way I'm living here." So um, I, we ended up um, moving back to Sydney. I mean, to be fair to Beg, it coincided with the birth of our first child, Archie, and he was born um, severely premature. Um, so he spent the first three months of his life in intensive care in London Hospital. Um, and it kind of really shook back up. She had a bit of sort of um, post-traumatic stress from that whole event. And she was just really wanting to be in her family. And um, I could understand that. So I was kind of like, yeah, let's go back. Uh, so we went back to Australia. And um, yeah, we'd been living there for another year. We had this beautiful spot down in Bondi. We had like ocean views. It was like, it's not going to get much sweeter than the kind of place we were living Um but I just wasn't happy. I was really, I was, it's the first time in my life where I just didn't feel happy at all. Um, and I just knew this, something had to be done, but it was like, what are we going to do? Like, you don't want to live in England. Um, and I don't want to live here. <laughs> it's just like, um, what, what the fuck are we going to do? Uh, it was a real sort of tough period um, for our relationship because we have a very strong relationship. But when something like that, um, it's, yeah, it's testing. Um, and I think it was just one day there was a, picked up the newspaper and there was a story about some, um, some families living up in, up in Perth who were working in the coal mines, but the families were based in Bali, which is kind of, it's close-ish to, to Perth. You can fly there in like three or four hours, I think it is, maybe even two. Um, but yeah, they were kind of earning their money in Perth but then living their life in Bali, where, where uh, cost of living is lower. Um, it's obviously a different kind of lifestyle. And we were just like, 
Well, we it kind of just sparked a bit of an idea for us. Um, now we we had an online business, um, and I'd worked as a freelance graphic designer with clients in London, clients in Sydney. We were working from home anyway. We didn't need to be anywhere. Uh, we didn't have an office. We had no one to report to as such, and our income wasn't going to change whether we stayed you know, wherever we were, basically. Um, so we started thinking about Bali, and then we're like, well, why would we go to Bali? Like, we'd never even been there. Beck's been there when she was a, uh, a kid, but I'd never been there. And it was like, and it kind of didn't solve the problem that it was kind of still really close to Australia. And that's when we started thinking about Thailand, because Thailand's kind of halfway between England and Australia, and um we always, obviously, we met here. We got married here. Every time we we were flying back and forward, we'd have we'd stop off in Thailand and have like a week in Bangkok. Or so it was a it was like a spiritual home for us. Um, anyway, we really loved the country. We knew it pretty well, uh, so it just made sense. So then we just started. This was um, so we had our first first child. Archie would have been about one. Uh, so we just started researching expat expat lives in Thailand, just looking for the place to go, because it wasn't realistic to just go to a place that we thought, oh, that's a beautiful beach there. Like we've got to live a life. Yeah, we had, we were, we were going to have another uh, another baby as well. At that point, we were planning that, so we needed, and obviously we were, we were worried about what had happened with Archie. So we needed really good hospitals. We were looking at schools, international schools, infrastructure, uh, to be able to run a business to meet people um so we weighed it all up and phuket was ticking the boxes really in terms of having the infrastructure but then also having that kind of beach island life that we were also pining for um but we'd been to phuket before on our travels <laughs> and we went there and we, we stayed in a place called patong which is like the party town of phuket and <laughs> we left the next day. It was that much of a shithole. We were just like, this is disgusting. It was an absolute toilet. And we were just like, we literally, we stayed there one night and left. So we were really down on Phuket as a place before we got here. But we, we were just like, look, we'll give it a go. Like, this. So what we did was we, we, we had a two-week sort of recce where we came over and just spent two weeks on the island like checking everywhere out looking at all the areas trying to work out where we might live um and i have to tell you mate like we we drove around and we were just like really <laughs> are we really gonna live here like we're living bondi like in, in sydney it was quite a contrast um and yeah so but we we, we were kind of committed to give it a go um and and I think that's the good thing about mine and Bex's relationship is we we're both kind of risk takers and we we're not scared to like put ourselves out there and if it goes wrong you just you just back up yeah there's what's the worst that can happen you hate it after three months and you go back to where you were like it's like I mean we were moving our lives over there and everything so it was it, it wasn't that, just that cut and dry but and a lot of people like we knew like family members were just like are you guys crazy. You can live in Phuket. Um, yeah, a lot of people didn't understand or just thought we were nuts. Um, but we went for it, you know. And um, the first year was tough. I'm not going to lie. Like we, we went to a part of 
Phuket that probably didn't suit young families. Um, and we struggled to meet people and we, did, we didn't settle at all. And we had Kick, our second kid here. So we had a baby as well and a two-year-old and it was tough. And we got, but we got dengue fever as well, like about eight months being here. Um, What's, what is that? Dengue fever is a, a virus um, passed by mosquitoes. Um, and it can be fatal. There's like three strains of dengue. Um, it can be fatal. It's a bit like coronavirus where it's more, it's more fatal in like the young or the elderly or people that have got, have got weak immune systems or, or existing conditions. Um, yeah. It is brutal, mate. I'm telling you, I've never been so ill in my life. Um, Beck got it first and then 24 hours later I got it and it was just absolute knocked us out for a week and there's nothing you can do about it you can't take anything you just got to ride it out um and it absolutely floored us and we near very nearly left at that point we were like because we had no support even we had two kids luckily archie archie got ill and we thought he had it as well but he didn't he just had a cold or flu and he was he was like down he was the two-year-old at that point so that helped because he wasn't just crawling all over the place and obviously, Kick was a baby, so he was just sleeping most of the time. But it was so tough. We had no support, no help. Um, and I remember being on the phone to my mom, like literally crying like a little baby. <laughs> just like, Mom, help. Um, but yeah, um, we, kind of, we kind of made it through that. And then, and then things got, just gradually got better from there. We, we started meeting people. We... We met some friends who had kids around the same sort of ages, which meeting, meeting people that are in the same situation as you is, is um, such a help. Um, so we ended up moving to the north, like further up the island towards the, where all the schools are, all the international schools. And, and then we kind of started to get a community um, of people and friends. And, and then, yeah, it, we really settled in, which was, which was great. And that, and then, yeah, that was um, six years, six, seven years ago. Um, so then we spent um, five years in Phuket and then tying this into the, to, to the kind of how we came into veganism, um, Beck, uh, Beck lost an auntie to cancer um, and she really started researching into uh, nutrition and she was worried about this breast cancer her aunt died of breast cancer. She was super worried about it happening to her. Uh, and her, she was really close to her auntie. So it just completely shook her world. Um, so she did the, the old YouTube thing. She started just scouring YouTube. She bought a few a few books that she was reading, uh, like the China study and things like that. And um, yeah, just this was kind of happening. She wasn't really vocalizing it to me, what she was up to. But uh, I knew she was kind of just just watching a lot of stuff and reading and and then um yeah one day she just said to me i'm going vegan um and i was just like what um she's like yeah i'm, I'm emptying the fridge out um i'm gonna cook vegan whether you want to eat the food is up to you but i'm not having animal-based products in the house um and Beck was the head chef in our house, so it was kind of like, I didn't have much choice. <laughs> Listen, um, so I was a bit shook. I was just like, at that point, I had no idea what veganism was, really. It was just, 
apart from the stereotypes. So it's kind of one of those moments where I was like, oh, God, she's lost the plot. But I just thought it was another one of those diet fads where she'll, she'll do it for a few weeks and then, and then things will just go back to normal. <laughs> so, um, but it, in fact, her cooking got better. Like she was making really tasty stuff because it forced her to be more creative. Um, so the food she was making was absolutely really good. Um, but it didn't stop me saying every time, this would be better if I had lamb in it or, babe, this is really tasty, but if I had chicken in it. And it was, that was really starting to drive up the wall. Um, so I was just kind of going along with the flow and I would be sort of plant-based vegan in the week. And then on the weekend when we ate out, I would just off-road into whatever, um, just eat the normal stuff that I've always eaten. Um, but then she kind of made me watch What the Health one day, uh, a, a few months in. She was like, why don't you just watch this documentary? Um, and that was it. Like, <laughs> it just kind of like, completely turned me just watching that one documentary. Um, and then the following day, we watched Cowspiracy. And that just, that just turned me even further because I've always been like really concerned about the environment. Um, and Cowspiracy was like really covering that angle, yeah. And when you put the two together, it was just like, oh my God. Um, it was like a massive wake up call. Um, and like I say, I was, I was already quite enjoying the food anyway. So I wasn't thinking, oh, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to eat vegan? Like, I was already probably 80% vegan. So that wasn't a concern for me at all. Um, my main concern probably was what are people going to think? Like, what are my mates going to think? What are my family going to think? Um, we don't know anyone who's vegan. Like, all our friends aren't vegan. We're going to get ostracized. Are people going to think we're weird? Um, you know, just not fitting in. Like, everyone wants to fit in, yeah? Um, and yep. I didn't want to be that outsider. Um, but I also, the conviction was so strong that that wasn't going to stop me. Um, so from that point, it was just more reading, more watching, uh, and, the, and just the more I learned about nutrition and and uh, and the ethics of it as well. So I watched Earthlings, which was also just just yeah, teared up like really upset me, and then just it's just like a, an overwhelming wave of logic, like what what the fuck, like. Um, and then this kind of coincided as well with we'd been running an online ski business for like five years. Um, and we'd been just getting to the point where I was just totally lost my passion for it. I was never passionate about it in the first place. Uh, like my background is um, a branding and design. I have a degree in branding. Um, and I did that for like 10 years before we fell into like setting up this online ski agency. Um, and yeah, I was kind of like, falling out of love with this thing we've been doing it was we were just chasing money basically with this online online business um and it was making good money but i was working hard and just not passionate about it um and uh, at another turning point we um we hired a business coach um and one of the first things he got us to do was this is kind of around the same time as the, the veganism thing was happening and uh, one of the first things he did with us was like, look, uh, before we go anywhere, I want you guys to spend a week um, creating like a vision board. Like, what is your dream life? What do you want? What, what, where do you want to live? What house do you want? Like, 
uh, what car do you want to drive? You know, it's just all these materialistic goals. Um, so, yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, I'm not, I'm not actually driven by, like, I already have a good life. I already have pretty much everything I need. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind, like, a, a cool motorbike. Like, just these little things. Like, there was nothing, like, really grand that I was just like, and it wasn't about making X amount of millions or for me, it was more about having an impact and helping people and, 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 and sort of inspiring change. Um, and I just sat there thinking, I'm selling ski holidays to rich people. Like, how is this, how is this using my skill to help anyone or affect change? And then obviously this the vegan thing was happening and then I was just like, I need to be putting my energy and my skill and my passion into the thing that that's going to have the biggest impact. And to me at that point, it was 100% veganism. Um, so that's when I started to think there needs to be a switch here. I can't, I can't do this ski business any longer or I need to get out of it or I need to start putting some of my time into doing something about veganism. Um, and yeah, at that point, I was really um, heavily into road cycling. Um, and obviously, the, the vegan thing really suited that as well, because I wasn't, at that point, I didn't know much about sort of uh, energy balance, and I was probably not eating enough calories, and uh, I was riding heavy, like 15 hours a week. Um, so I was getting, have you seen like the typical cyclist physique is just like, Zero. Yeah, I've, I've seen zero. you. So, um, I've seen you uh, like post pictures of you as a cyclist. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, bones sticking out, and and just the lighter you are, the faster you go. Basically, it's just a power to weight ratio game. Um, so it really suited me at that time because I was just getting faster on the bike, and my recovery was good, and there was no inflammation, and so it was it was really suiting me, but. At the same time, just going back to what I was saying earlier about not wanting to be different or or be that stereotype, and so I'm so I'm talking to all like, my blokey mates, and they're just like looking at me, going, "Dude, you're wasting away. Like you gotta eat." Like, and then they start saying it's the, it's the veganism. You gotta eat some meat, bro. Like you're not getting enough protein. Um, but I knew like it's not. It's like I'm smashing cardio. I'm not. I'm not eating with calories. It's got nothing to do. And it's actually my goal to be like, like I'm trying to get thin. Um, but then I just thought like, I'm not, unless I become like epically good on the bike, I'm not going to inspire anyone I know at least um, mm -hmm. to, to, to even consider a plant-based diet or, or veganism because they're just looking at me going, you don't look that great. <laughs> you might be fast on your bike, but Unless you're a cyclist anyway, you don't really have an appreciation for what fast on a bike means. It's just like, oh, he rides a bike, he's a vegan, he's a weirdo. Right. <laughs> it was just like, it wasn't working for me. Like, um, so that, that, that's when I decided to do the, the transformation where I was like, and it was kind of an interesting experiment for myself because I had like in my 20s tried to bulk up before not really had much success. Um, so I was really interested to see um, how it would go with plants. And that's when I decided to film the thing, 
filmed the whole journey on YouTube, um, and I set up I set up a YouTube channel at the, at the very start. I was called Mindful Gains. That was my uh, my first uh, sort of brand name, Mindful Gains. Um, mm-hmm. And I started. I set myself a target to get from sixty nine kilos to uh, eighty in in three months. So I think you guys use pounds, don't you? So it's like one. 152 pounds I was, and I wanted to get to 177. So it's like a 25 pound gain in three months, which is huge. Um, and at the time, like looking back, I definitely did put on a bit of fat. Like it wasn't lean muscle. Is it possible to put that much lean muscle on in three months? But um, because I was so skinny anyway, uh, the fat that I did add didn't make me fat. Like I was still relatively lean. Um, but yeah, I just started blogging it every day. Um, what I was eating, what I was doing in the gym, loads of mindset stuff. I'm really into mindset, uh, goal setting, visioning. Um, so I was just using everything I knew and just really diving deep into nutrition, um, learning about what to eat. Um, and just going reversing a bit as well. At that point, I had actually sold my share in the ski business. Um, so I kind of missed a bit, bit there where I had a period of four or five months after selling the ski business where I, um, I was able to really sit back and decide and decide what I was going to do with my future. Um, and I very nearly went back into branding. I was thinking about how can I apply branding to veganism? Can I help like people online by helping them grow their vegan brands or like I had a lot of ideas, but. I ended up going down this path because I wanted to, to specifically target blokes. Like I was like, eighty percent of vegans are women. For men, it's super not cool. It's, and I just wanted to, to have a little bit of an impact there. Uh, just even with just people around me, like people I knew. Um, so that's how it all started. Um, and YouTube. Have you, do you do YouTube videos? Yep, every week. Do they not just drive you mad the amount of time it takes to edit stuff? That's it's funny that you say that because from about I'd say three PM today to eight thirty PM, like right before this podcast started, I have been editing my video that I'm putting out tomorrow. So yeah, they depending on the type of video it is, it will take me but I also make sure that the quality of my videos is like my whole thing with my videos is I want to, because this is not a um, super common thing in the vegan community. I feel like the quality of videos is like, it, it's good. Definitely. It's definitely enough for uh, the niche that veganism is because people don't like it's different from the videography niche because if you're in a videography niche like obviously you want to stand out you got to have the best stuff and you have to have to have the best editing but i kind of wanted to apply that to uh the vegan niche on youtube and my whole goal with my videos is to just create like some of the absolute best uh vegan high highest quality content on YouTube. So, uh, like vlogs will take me anywhere from 
oh man, they're they're like five to eight hours sometimes, like depending on if I want to like do After Effects, get really deep into it, and then like me just sitting down or uh, doing some type of special video where I'm not bouncing all over the place yeah. will take uh, like three to five hours. So yeah, YouTube is. What were you saying? What's your channel called? It's just Cole Hastings. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, definitely, definitely do. Um, hopefully, hopefully when you look at it, you'll be like, wow, okay, this is, this is really a step above the other vegan YouTubers. Just check out a few videos um, because I really strive for that. And videography, video editing is really, really what I love to do. Um, cool. and, and I found a, a lot of good opportunities through it, but but yeah, that's uh, How come, yeah, uh, YouTube is a big time sink, big time commitment, massive. And but how come? Uh, because on your Instagram channel, I don't see any videos on there. How come you don't you don't do some videos for your IG channel? It's a good question. Um, I I don't know. I I f they definitely get. Well, actually, I haven't even tested this out. I, I'm kind of just assuming that they would get less engagement. And also, like, I I enjoy posting just photos. I feel like they consistently do better on IG. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've always found videos are, are better on IG. Like, the engagement is way higher. Really? Yeah. And, and you've already got the content. Yeah, you could probably just cut up what you've already got. Like just take inspections yeah. and um, and also it gives the gives your uh, followers more of an insight into you uh, and and a bit more of a personal connection. Hundred percent, yeah. It's the same with uh, Instagram stories. I guess a part of me is just being lazy <laughs> with not doing it. Honestly, well, mate, you're, you're running a podcast, a YouTube channel, an Instagram channel. Yeah, I think you're doing a lot. You're doing work for people. Yeah, I don't think you could call yourself lazy, bro. <laughs> yeah that's that's a fact black. um that's true but, but yeah so, um just going back to where i was where i was leading with that right. like i just wasn't getting any traction um with with youtube like I, w I would spend half a day editing and i'd get like 20 views and i was just like right. it was soul destroying <laughs> it's just like yeah 100 um, percent and it's it's the same with anything, yeah. Any medium, you've got to put the time in, and you've got to be consistent. And it's not going to happen overnight, yeah. It, like with my Instagram, it took probably a year to to start growing. But with the Instagram thing, because of my background in design, I could knock out pretty cool infographics super quick. Um, so instead of it taking all day, it was taking me like half an hour, and I'd have an infographic out there that was like. Um, having potential to go viral. Um, right. So, yeah, the Instagram thing just slowly took over. I, I, I kept to my word because I set myself a goal and a, and and to to publish a video every day during that transformation. I think I, I might have missed about six days out of the whole time, but I kept it up and I did it. Um, and I reached my goal about six days, 11 weeks and three days, I think it was. Um, stepped on the scales and hit the 80, um, which was awesome. Um, I was kind of shocked myself a little bit, to be honest. Um, but then it was like, 
okay, I've, I've been on this journey. Now what? Like, how can I, how can I help people further? And then how can I also monetize this? Because like at the end of the day, there has to be a business there for me because I've just sold my business. Um, I can go and do graphic design. Yeah, that's fine. But I want it. I want a business where I'm actually growing veganism, helping people. Um, so it was kind of tying tying those things together, and that was like the ultimate goal. Um, and it it didn't come easy. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, the the men's niche, like I really niched myself down in this kind of skinny vegan niche, which. I, I read uh, Russell Branson's book, um, Expert Secrets. I, I don't know if you're aware of that book or you've read it. No, I haven't. No. Um, do you know who Russell Branson is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah He's like the ClickFunnels guy and super, super smart marketer, online marketer. And his book's awesome. Um, but in the book, he really sort of pushes you to go niche and then go 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 another niche like he really wants you to get into the tightest niche possible to give yourself the biggest chance um mm. so i had this kind of mentality of like serving skinny men serving skinny men like vegan niche like it was super super niche um and it was never going to be scalable really like um i met i'm i started it turned into a business and i'm making money i'm, I, I'm still selling programs and things but it was it was never going to be able to replace what I've got to support a family. I've got two kids in school, like in Thailand, we have to pay for schooling and it's, it's, it's not cheap. Um, so people think I just sit in Thailand and everything's cheap and I live on the beach and, but it, it's, that's not the reality of it. Like I, I would say it's probably equal to me living in England in terms of expenses. Mostly it's usually the kids schooling, but, um, yeah. Um, so the other thing as well was like to be able to scale something, you need to, you can't just rely on organic. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to go paid and start to reach out to more people. Um, and Facebook just hated me. Like I couldn't get any ads going. Um, I got like two accounts banned. Um, they just kept flagging every ad that I put up. Um, cause it was kind of like, you can't you can't talk about changing body shape or putting weight on or you can't use before and afters. I don't know if you know much about Facebook advertising, but over the last kind of sixteen months, they've really clamped down on what what is viable on the platform, which I don't think is a bad thing. But it was making my life super difficult. I couldn't. I wasted a lot of time and money trying to get things going on there. Um, yeah. uh, let's. Let's talk about that a little bit. What what type of ads did you try to run that like it was just not working? Oh, <laughs> all sorts. And it's not necessarily always the ad, mate. It's it's oftentimes where are you sending that person from the ad? Like um, mm-hmm. when I was sending them to like my landing pages, the landing pages are full of before and afters. There's copy on there that doesn't fit the rules. Like it's like you've got to like almost redesign your whole funnel just to get Facebook to approve it. And then by the time you've done that, it's so watered down that if anyone actually clicks on it and goes there, they're not going to convert or purchase anyway because it's just so generic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it just it just wasn't happening at all. And, and 
I even I created a different program at one point, um, like a completely different program. It was like a seven-day reboot that was not about – it was more about health and not about transformation. And I can't remember, I invested some money into that, and it, would, it just completely bombed. I sold about seven of them. It was just like, <laughs> shit. I mean, I'm, I'm not lying. I must have spent about four grand developing this thing. Um, it, wow. t- it took me a couple of months. I'd spent a lot on resource and sold like, I sold like seven programs. It was just like super, super demoralizing. Um, and at this point, I think Beck's ready to divorce me. She's just like, what are you doing? Like the money from the sale of the ski business was just about running dry. Um, we were starting to come under a lot of pressure, really. Um, we couldn't afford the rental. We were living up in Chiang Mai at that point. We'd moved up to Chiang Mai. We had a year and a half up there uh, because it's it's. Uh, we went up there to sort of reset. Uh, very sort of. Um, there's more vegan community up there. There's better vegan food. It's kind of a digital nomad hub. So we thought we would. Um, meet more like-minded entrepreneurial online people as well. So we kind of did that for a bit, which was great. But um, we were, um, yeah, running out of cash fast. Um, and, the yeah, we had to sell our car as well. It got, it got pretty bad, mate. Um, we came back to Phuket. Uh, we managed to break lease on this place we were in because it had a mold and damp issue, thankfully which meant we could break lease, which was a savior because we couldn't afford the rent. <laughs> um, we sold this car that we'd had since we came here um, and moved back to Phuket. And we were living for six months in a house built by our old nanny. Like when we were living in Phuket, we had a nanny for four years. Um, and she lived out like in rural Phuket and she built this two bed house for her kids on a block of land. And it had no hot water, no aircon, and we lived in that house and paid her like peanuts to live there because it's it's pretty much all we could afford at that point. Um, like we, when I don't know if you watched Gary Vee, but he talks about eating shit. Like you've got to eat shit. <laughs> he says yeah. it's like we were definitely eating piles of shit. <laughs> um, and yeah, like all our friends, in, especially in Phuket, we just came back from Chiang Mai and they'd always known us as the guys with the ski business who lived in a nice house, drove a nice car, whatever. Um, they were just looking at us going, what has, what has become of these people? Like they <laughs> And the people just kept saying to me, why aren't you designing? Why aren't you going back to graphic design? Like get, get a job, like go and get some clients. And I, I was just like, there's something inside of me saying, no, no, like, I could have, and I was very close to doing it on several occasions, but I just, I just had this like real drive and goal, and I didn't want to give up on it, and I didn't, I didn't want to move my focus away from veganism either. It was like, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I believe in. Um, I don't want to start designing brands for unethical companies or people that don't give a shit about anything else but capitalism. It was just like, it just couldn't go there. I was like, I'm just gonna keep going it I believed in what we were doing um but what just what we were putting out there just wasn't working in terms of a business so um I think we were on the beach one day and I was just like thinking looking around and I'm just looking at all these people like obviously 
Phuket is a massive tourist destination. A lot of Aussies come here, a lot of Russians. And I'm just looking around at everyone, just going, oh my God, everyone's fat. Like everyone is out of shape, overweight, just looking at what they're eating. Just like, fuck, like what have we become? Like, and that's when it like kind of struck me like, maybe this is the people that need more help. Like these people that are overweight. Um, and the females as well, like, and then it was kind of like, because I was so caught up in being in this men's skinny niche and didn't want to like take my focus off it. Um, it's then when I decided that perhaps I should also think about how can I help women as well, um, help women with weight loss. And I was getting a lot of, a lot of women contacting me on Instagram actually saying, oh, do you help women get jacked? Um, and I didn't want to push him into the program that I had for the men because it wasn't suitable for him. It was for blokes. Yeah, it was way too many calories. The workouts weren't suitable. It was just like... Um, and it's at that point that I decided maybe I should focus on purely meal planning um, and start to start to reach out to women as well. Um, yeah, and that was a, that was a game changer, really. Um, and... Then Beck got involved as well. Beck started helping me out, um, and we started creating meal plans <clears throat> for for women who wanted to to lose weight, but also women who wanted to put on a bit of lean muscle as well. Um, and yeah, that that was probably back in April, um, and that transformed the business really. Um, and it's just going from strength to strength, like. We, we, we set up, like, about three months after that, we set up the, the women's Instagram channel, Mrs. Jacked on Plants, and that's just growing super quick. Like, it'll be bigger than my channel easily within, within a few months. Like, it just grows and grows, whereas mine's just like, I don't know, Instagram's, like, not what it used to be. Like, it's engagement's down. It's a lot harder to grow, I, I believe, but... Yeah, that's... An audience that really want that info, I think it makes a big difference. Um, and there's not a lot of people putting out that info specifically to women um, that we're putting out on Mrs. Jack on Plants. Uh, women tend to be more, they put out fitness videos or they post selfies or, or they're really just focused on cooking, like doing meals. Uh, those are the kind of channels that are mainly women focused, whereas I'm, I'm putting the kind of men's jacked on plants spin of like real sort of infographical nutritional information um but more targeted at women it seems to be being taken really well um Mm -hmm. so that's going really good um and yeah so i guess um the moral of that long story (laughs) is just to not to not give in you know like it's so easy to give in and I had so many opportunities and so many moments where I nearly did, but um, if you believe in what you're doing and you have a you have a, a mission and you really want to help people and you know you're helping people and what you're what you're doing is capable of helping people, don't stop. Just keep doing it. Like you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna fail, you're gonna feel like an absolute muppet when you spend four grand and make twenty dollars back. <laughs> but um, 
this is learning, yeah. This is this is how you how you learn by making mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's been a journey, brother. It's been a journey, and it took a lot out of me. Um, but it's it's been worth it. Um, and now, like the just the the women's group, like we've got a private group on Facebook, and it just the community in there is just awesome. Like these women are just super helping each other and supporting each other. And we're really trying to change mindsets around sort of this diet culture and restrictive eating um, and teach people to thrive, teach these women to thrive and not fear food and eat abundantly. Um, and that, that to me is a more, probably a way more important message than, than I was pushing before, which I'm still pushing on my men's channel, which is, it's more about vanity. Yeah. If a, if a guy's going to, bulk up but it's also about health because we're teaching these guys to eat a healthy plant-based protein instead of smashing inflammation causing animal products um but yeah do, do you see what i mean it's just a, it's just a much bigger bigger issue in terms of uh the way the mentality the diet culture around around females um huge huge problem um, so so let's dive deeper into to the business behind your brand because I'm really interested to hear what exactly changed that made you start generating a lot of income apart from just uh, like, do you think it was mainly because you switched your like target market to not being as narrow Um, or like what, what, what is really the most effective thing you're doing right now that's making you uh the most money and how are you getting people to purchase whatever that is okay so uh a couple of things or maybe three things the first one is yeah definitely the audience like um women weight loss in particular is a huge market and and they want help. They're desperate for help. They're seeking help. They're trying diet fads. They're trying keto. They're trying everything under the sun to try and lose weight. And so it's a huge market and a ravenous market. And um, and women online, they've just got way different purchasing behavior. Men don't really buy that much online. Like men go to YouTube and work it out for themselves. Like it's just a typical mm-hmm. man thing. Yeah, you're like. When we get lost, when I get lost in a city, Beck's like, "Why don't you just go and ask that person where it is?" Oh, no, no, I'll check it out. I'll work it out on the map. And, it's, and then she just she just walks over there and asks someone, and then he goes, "Yeah, it's just down there to the left." This <laughs> is like right. typical men mentality. Oh, I can do it myself. Um, so that's a big thing as well. But and then the other one is obviously what I spoke about before with Facebook. Like organically, you can only get so far unless you're famous or you get some massive. Uh, growth from something but you're kind of limited to slow sustainable growth which is not a bad thing but for me I didn't have time for that slow sustainable growth because I had a family to support I didn't I'd sold that business that money was running out and I didn't want to go back into graphic design I wanted to keep doing what I was doing so um, I didn't have have the luxury of time there so I needed something that was going to move faster than organic and and that is paid advertising um, and Facebook, we we managed to get stuff going on Facebook with the women's side of things. Like because it was more about nutrition, we weren't talking about it being a transformation program. We were just talking about 
macro was like I had to eat, eat more high carbohydrates, lower fat, uh, not so much protein. Um, it's different subject matter, which is deemed safer on Facebook. So we, we were able to get traffic coming uh, from Facebook. And then you need, you need um, an offer or something that's going to convert when you send traffic to it. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that's what we've got with the women's like we have the, the calorie calculator that we built, which allows a woman to go in there and type in their, type in their data. So that their age, um, their height, their weight, their body goals. Um, and that kind of, <clears throat> that's kind of hooked up to a, to a calorie calculator software, which then determines what their TDEE is. Um, so right. it will, it will tell them what their maintenance is, what they, and then, based on what body goal they're putting out, it's going to tell them whether they need to be in a, in a moderate surplus or a deficit or, um, so it's kind of, it's customizing in that sense that it's, cause you can't just tell, and this is what I hate. Like there's so many businesses out there and, and brands and, and influencers telling women to eat 12,000 calories. You need to lose weight, 12,000 calories. It's just, it's madness. It's not enough food for, 90% of females, unless you're super small and super not active, that is not enough food. Um, you're not going to thrive. You're not, your health's going to be at risk. You're not going to be getting enough um, macronutrients in there, micronutrients. Um, it's just not enough, not enough food. Um, I mean, our, lo- our lowest, our lowest uh, meal plan is 1450. Um, and we go right up to two and a half for the women. And, and I tell you, mate, we have a struggle convincing women like, I would say like the majority of the plans we sell are kind of um, the R4 in 4500. But I know for a fact that the people going through that calorie calculator are not ending at 14500. They're ending at something like 18500 and then going, that's too much food for me. So they go back to it and try and manipulate it <laughs> to get it down to 14500 so they can buy that plan. Um, because they're scared. They're absolutely scared of eating. Um, they're frightened of calories. Um, frightened, and frightened of carbs. Like, we're having a hard time teaching these women not to be scared of carbs. Like, because um, a lot of these women aren't, aren't vegan, you know. We're, we're, we're talking to a lot of women out there that have tried keto, that are interested in plant-based. And that's what I love about it, because we are we're converting people. We're not just serving vegans, existing vegans. Um, we're kind of acting as a bridge, um, and that's super important. And that's and that's that's kind of the goal and the aim we set out for in the first place. So, um, so uh, from what I'm getting at here, it's uh, you have this ad on Facebook. When they click on the link, it transfers them to this calculator, and now. What what do you do from here? How do you get them to purchase something from there? Is, is there an email capture, something like that, where you, like you send the there email to the? There isn't at the moment. We don't capture any emails. Um, it's something we 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 might implement. Uh, we've got um, we've got a free Kickstarter um, separate to that where, where we do collect emails. But the okay. actual calorie calculator funnel, there's no. There's no uh, email collection at this point. So, um, I mean, the page itself 
it does it does the selling because because they've been through the calculator and they feel feel like it's talking to them, it's customized. Um, the plan's low cost, it's not a lot of money. Um, there's a lot of test great testimonials on there. We get a lot of amazing feedback. Uh, food no. it's easy to prepare. Sorry. <coughs> Sorry, just to interrupt. Uh, does this page have like so, so after you put in your information it says like you're perfect for this plan and then they can just buy now from that page yeah exactly yeah okay i see so it'll send them it'll send them to a page uh, and it'll say yeah um based on based on your goals and your and your body type uh you need six six sixteen hundred <laughs> uh, you need seventeen thousand. 1,700 calories, Jesus. <laughs> Good with numbers. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, gotcha. So, yeah, there, but then we have, a, we have a support button on there. There's like a help button. So if people aren't sure, they have questions, they'll hit the help button and they'll leave a, they'll leave a comment or a question. Um, but then also um, we do – a lot of the conversions, I think, come from the private group because we have – at the moment, we've got about 1,500 in there, and um, the community is so active, and you've got, people, you've got women in there talking about what they're doing, posting the food they're cooking, uh, posting their progress. Um, so a lot of people are joining that group and seeing the community and seeing the people are getting results, and they want to be part of that. So then they're, they're asking people in the group, Oh, what what meal plan are you on? And and at, at times, mate, we're not doing anything. Like all these women in the group are doing it for us. They're going, oh, you need to go to this page, and they're linking in the calorie calculator. Um, and that's a one, it's a wonderful thing. But we've been able to do that because we are ourselves as well, so active in that group. Like we answer everybody's mm-hmm. questions. We're really helpful. We're really supportive of the women in there. So when you give that energy out, that it, it comes back. Um, so it's an, it's a really really nice community and again just going back to that men versus women thing that group has been around for three months and it's at 1500 and the engagement's insane my men's group (laughs) my men's group has been around for a year it's got like 200 blokes in it (laughs) and when i it's just like an echo chamber i post in there and nothing nobody posts in there Nobody, it's just, it's almost a waste of time. Uh, and it's sad because I have put energy into that and I tried to grow it and build it, but it, it just, men are just different animals. <laughs> they really are when it comes to online behavior. Um, so it's, um, yeah. I'm, I find myself in the women's group a lot more than I am in the men's. Hmm. That's really interesting. I, uh, that's honestly something I've never thought of. And I haven't, I, I mean, I've seen you post about Mrs. Jacked on plants and like starting to advertise that more, but that's awesome that, uh, you really found that group of people where you can increase your conversion and start making more money off of it. That's, that's great. Um, I, I want to end off the podcast here because, Wow, we don't have that much time with talking a little bit about your Instagram and uh, your Instagram growth. So first off, I think you personally 
make some of the best infographics in like the vegan niche in general. Like I I had no idea you had a background in graphic design, but now I obviously see how that comes into play because like they are just, they're, they're excellent, man. Like really well done. Look very professional. What do you use to edit those? Aha. This is a secret. <laughs> I get asked this all the time. It's hilarious. People message me and go, what app are you using? What app are you using to create these graphics? <laughs> it's just like, sometimes there is no app. <laughs> it's just like 15 years of experience. Um, but I use uh, Adobe, Adobe Creative Suite. So uh, for me, it's mostly InDesign that I use. Um, okay. Because it's just really great for layouts. I mean, you're probably more familiar with Photoshop, which yeah, it's nowhere near as good for for doing stuff like layouts and typography. Uh, InDesign's the the boy. Uh, Illustrator is probably the next thing, and I would say Photoshop's the bottom. But I see a lot of people who are coming into using uh, Creative Suite. They they're just trying to do everything on Photoshop, and it's it's not built for that. Yeah, you know, it's built for um, adapting images and it's not it's not a, a, you can do design on there but it's in design so much better um, but it takes time to learn it yeah I mean it took me years to master it like working in design studios um, learning from other people just hours using the program getting faster with it um, and then just holding design skills as well like it's I mean, I'm absolutely shocked, actually, by the quality of so like, like even even your stuff. Like, I mean, you don't have a, any. I wouldn't imagine you don't have any design experience or training, um, and other other people out there, like the the quality of the info, the graphics they're creating is awesome. Really, I'm I'm super impressed. Um, mm-hmm. So what is what's different about InDesign from Photoshop? I'm very curious. Like what what can you do well, in it that you can't do in Photoshop? It's just well it's it's vector based for a start. So um Photoshop's pixel, yeah? Um yeah. So pixelated, which you're not supposed to you don't really work with type and pixel. It's just and it's just it's clunky in terms of like the, the layering and the editing, like InDesign is built for book layouts. Yeah. Which is the closest thing you're going to get to doing like infographics, like you're laying out images type. That's what it's built for. It's designed for that. Photoshop is not designed for that. Photoshop is designed for changing images. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's, it's for, it's for photographers. You know, right. uh, so clearly the way it's set up, it's not going to be as intuitive and as easy to use as something like InDesign, which is built for doing layouts. Um, gotcha. But the thing is, like I said, people people always start with Photoshop, so they know it a little bit, so it's easier for them to to create images in there because they've already used it. So they end up going down. Like, I mean, I did it myself, mate. Like when I was a, a Fresh, fresh. You call it freshman in America. Uh, out, out of you, yeah. um, I started with Photoshop, and as soon as I got into a design studio, they were just like, "What the fuck are you doing? You can't use Photoshop to do layouts." And I was like, oh, "Like crippled because I didn't know how to use InDesign." So it took me it took me a lot of time to get up to speed. Like, but 
once you crack it, it's way better, quicker, uh, more intuitive. You can do better stuff. Um, so if you've got time and you and that's what you want to do, like I mean, you spoke about the video editing being your passion and what you love to do. So maybe you don't need to worry about it. But um, yeah, anyone out there who's really into or want to up their infographic game, um, I would definitely recommend it. Um, but if, if anyone doesn't have any skill whatsoever, I always recommend Canva um, as a good tool to use. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's super simple. Uh, you don't need any, any training, any skill. Like, it's super easy to use. Uh, and again, it's designed for doing that kind of layout stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, why did you choose to do infographics other than probably just because you have that experience? Do you think that infographics are the most effective way to grow on Instagram or does that depend on your niche? Like, do you... Obviously, so like an attractive person can just post pictures, shirtless pics of themselves like <laughs> yeah. every single day and like get better engagement than us guys. But like, why do you why do you decide to go with infographics? And do you think like like how how do you go about making a post that will get the most engagement? Uh, I do infographics because I don't look that great with my top off. <laughs> I'm um, the simple answer really, mate, is that I want to add value and I want to help people. Like posting a picture of me eating a banana, flexing my muscles, I might be able to put a clever caption in there that's going to add a bit of value, but I'm not really teaching anyone anything. Whereas with an infographic, you're able to teach, yeah? You're able to educate, uh, and that's way more shareable. Like if someone sees something uh, about iron and they've got a friend who's struggling with iron deficiency, they're going to tag that person or they're going to forward it or they're going to share it on the page. Um, people aren't going to share pictures of you um, or, or not. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's kind of um, – that's why I ended up going down that route. Like initially I didn't. I was more posting images like pictures of me and food and – um, I just, I kind of found my feet with the infographic because I was like, well, this is what I'm trained to do anyway. Like, why aren't I, why aren't I applying my skill to putting this information and education out there? Um, and so that's, that's why I do that. And I'll continue to do it. I'll continue to do the men's stuff for the forever. I don't care if it doesn't make any money. Like I know it's helping people. I get messages all the time from guys going, your content's really helped me. It, you 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 helped me move to like I moved to veganism because of your content. Like it doesn't matter to me that I don't get any money through that channel as long as I'm making revenue somewhere else because I need that to support my family. But um, I'm still going to keep producing that content because it's important. Um, it's it's mm -hmm. it people. Yeah, I wanna I want to reiterate something you said about. Uh, your content being being very shareable i feel like instagram these days like the algorithm the algorithm is always changing and i feel that even more effective than likes and comments now is how many people are saving and sharing your posts um i i think that not only pushes out the 
opposed to more people, but I also think that it's better long-term because when someone posts that your post on their story, that's like, that's a huge chance of hundreds or thousands of people who are watching that one story to see your post, click on it, and then get you get more visits to your profile. So the more, and, and then the reason saving works is because if someone wants to save like a recipe or something or save an infographic that helps them, they're going to come back to Instagram. They're going to come back to your page to view that post. So it just uh, builds more frequency with them visiting your page. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think infographics are really just like one of the easiest. What, like if you're not like, if, if you're not the best looking, if you don't have like a crazy body, then I think infographics are the second best thing you can do on Instagram. So yeah, I, I really try to focus on them. I think they're super valuable. Um, but I am, I'm going to have to let you go here. I actually got to finish up that video for YouTube tomorrow. want to get that out tomorrow. Uh, we might actually have to schedule a second talk because there was still a lot more I wanted to go over with you, but I had a really good time talking to you, man. I'm, I'm really glad we uh, had the chance to sit down and do this. And I'm so happy that your business is really taken off and you're doing so well. It's just, it's so motivating to see others within my niche doing even better than me and growing so quickly and making a business out of it gives me hope. I mean, I'm getting there. I'm video editing a lot, freelancing, but my brand will get there eventually. And uh, having pages like yours definitely helps with inspiration and motivation. So thanks for everything you do, man. And thanks a lot for coming on today. Cheers, Cole. And uh, just as I depart, I just want to say thanks, mate, for having me on. Also, awesome to connect with you, mate. And um, just don't, don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or need any help. Um, I'm, I'm just on the other end of the phone, brother, and I'm here to, to help and support other people as well. And, uh, yeah, definitely do not stop doing what you're doing, bro. You're doing an awesome job. Um, and you've got to always remember as well, mate, I, I'm – Pushing forward, I have a hell of a lot of experience in in business, uh, in design, branding, and I pushed so hard. Like I spent a lot of money in that period of time, and so don't comp- don't always compare yourself to other people's journeys because it's unrealistic. Like we're all coming at it from a like, you, what? How old are you? Like you must be early twenty, almost twenty three. Yeah, I mean, geez, mate, <laughs> you're so young. Like, what are you doing? Like, I was pissing beer up a wall at your age. <laughs> um, Luckily, I got that out of my system yeah. earlier. Good work. Yeah, it took me a while to get that out of my system. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's a, one big problem with social media is you, you go on there and you compare yourself to other people and you don't know the backstory. You don't know what they're going through. You don't even know whether their success is genuine. Um, exactly. It's just a bad, bad thing to compare. Like, um, just stick, stick to your, stick to your own journey, and um, and keep putting out that amazing content, man. And, and keep sticking to your goals and your ambitions and your passions, and you will get there. You will, you'll get to where you want to be. It's, there's no doubt about it. The only thing you've got to make sure you do is not give in. <laughs> um, right. Because it's easy to do. Yeah, it's easy to to lose to lose your drive and your focus when things don't go your way, and you just like 
looking at other people going, well, well, they've done this or they've done that. Um, don't do it, mate. Just, um, just keep, keep going with what you, what you love. Um, and you'll, uh, you'll get there, bro. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great way to end off. I mean, I'm, I'm confident I'll get there too. I, I, uh, I don't see myself stopping ever. I really, really, really love, I've never been happier in my life doing what I'm doing right now. So as well, mate, you've got to, you've got to have the self-belief, but you've also got to, you've got to love, love the journey. Like exactly. Okay. Is there, before we, before we leave, can you, uh, just link your social media for people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the best two places to go is definitely Instagram. Uh, for the men, it's uh, jacked.on.plants. Um, and for the females, it's uh, at mrs.jackedonplants. Uh, yeah, we, we post to the women's, we post twice a day. The men's, we post once a day uh, consistently. Um, and yeah, we, we put a lot of, lot of value into both of those places. So worth checking out. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely check him out. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Cheers, buddy. Have a nice evening. Don't don't work too late. <laughs> I'll try not to. Yeah, you too. All right, bro. Nice to talk to you.